Welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent. Patreon.com slash Brent Comedy is how you can support the show for just five bucks a month. This is the History of Jokes episode, and throughout this episode, I'm going to have some of my friends tell their favorite street jokes. So take it away, Jill. Hi, this is Jill Maragos, and this is my favorite street joke. Why wouldn't the oyster give up his pearl? Because he was shellfish. <laughs> it's me every time. It's the Field Trip Podcast with Brent Perhue. Take the load off and listen soon. We're gonna have a real good time for you. The Field Trip Welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune. Joining me once again on the program is Mr. Isaac Lanford. Hello, Brent Terhune. Good to be here on my own show. I don't know why I'm saying that. Okay, Isaac, uh, you're on this episode because we're talking about the history of jokes. History of jokes. Yeah, it's uh, this will be, uh, I don't know, I thought of the title. And then I said, let, let me do some research. Uh, I have the same Google as everybody else. So <laughs> I did a little research. And I know you. I've said before on the show, but I you're one of the people that I have on that I think has a uh, a high comedy IQ. You know a lot about comedy. You, you watch a lot of uh, comedy. So I think it's just fun to analyze where jokes come from. And by jokes, dear listener, I'm talking like street jokes is what comedians would call it mm-hmm. yeah so uh we'll talk about it you know two guys walk into a bar type stuff those are street jokes where it's like nobody really knows who wrote that because that's a conversation that i have all the time is like i have my favorite jokes and i tell them and i think they're really funny but i'm like i don't know who wrote that i don't know where that came from it just kind yeah. of has always existed you know yeah it's like if you do like the two guys walk into a bar, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, quote, it's like anonymous uncle. Yeah. Whereas like <laughs> it had to come from somewhere. And I, I worked with a guy, uh, my first host week ever at a comedy club named John Fox. Mm-hmm. Now he's notorious for being John Fox. Like, yeah, uh, he's the reason they say, you know, don't if you're staying in the comedy condo, which is like an apartment, don't eat the mayonnaise because. He'd do things to the mayonnaise, yeah, yeah. maybe, allegedly. And he kind of leaned into that, uh, the legend of John Fox, which is actually a song by a comedian named Pat Godwin. But John Fox has since passed away. Thanks for bringing that up, Isaac. <laughs> but he would, uh, there were certain comics that I worked with that would, he would tell regular jokes, like yeah. a, a joke joke. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron Shock is another guy who's one of my favorites and maybe I'll, I'll put in a Ron shock joke because he would write jokes like um, a a street joke and he would tell them during the check drop. So uh, close to the end of the show, the check comes out that now you have to pay your bill and you lose the audience and their attention. So I think he said, buddy Hackett said when the checks come out, tell jokes, they're quick in and out jokes. And then, then, You'll see a comic say, oh, here's one you could take home with you. And then you could now you've got a joke to tell 
the guys at work, the, the your family yeah. members or whatever. So, and I, from what I remember, what I heard, John Fox w- was a guy who claimed to have written like truly tasteless jokes, like that joke book, I guess. Yeah. And some of him were truly tasteless jokes, you know, so. Sure. But uh, do you have a favorite joke, Isaac? Shit. I don't. Because it's uh, what, like you live know. in Los Angeles now, so everybody's somebody, a performer. Yeah. You know, and man. when people say, hey, tell me a joke. So here's the one I tell people. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's fairly clean. It's simple. It's. Why do mermaids wear seashells? Because B shells are too small and D shells are too big. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's just a quick, not offensive joke. But if you think of one as we go along. Yeah, I don't know. I know. don't. I've, anybody who's seen my act can uh, account for this. But like, I don't I've never been much of a joke guy. Yeah, I don't I don't really have jokes. You know, it's like set up. Traditional setup punch, yeah. Jokes, you know. Yeah, that's funny for you to say because, like, you're. I would definitely think of you like you are. Like, you're not like a one-liner comic, but you structure what you your mm-hmm. you structure your bits in a concise rhythm in that way. Yeah, but they're but, not like introduction and then punchline. Yeah, I. It's not. I don't think you would tell somebody one of my jokes on the street and get a huge laugh. I think yeah. in an audience, I don't get big laughs either, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you've had, uh, I mean, this is like right on topic too, though, but like you write jokes on social media. Yeah. And, and you, but then, and you've had some, but then people steal them and then oh, no one yeah. knows what the origin of the joke is. That's a yeah. meme now. That's a, yeah. The, the joke is, um and a, the, it's a pun based joke so it could it lends itself to parallel thought somebody else could have thought of the same joke but the joke is i bought a pair of shoes from a drug dealer but i think he laced them with something because i've been tripping all day that's the the yeah. joke and all people will still send that to me all the time of hey i saw this on the chalkboard outside a restaurant yeah isn't that or, wild that it that, is that's crazy how far something can spread once it's gotten like caught fire on mm-hmm. online, but then with the credit isn't given to not to say that if every meme had your name on it, that that person who drew it on the chalkboard is going to put your name on it, you know, no. <laughs> but and, that's, and it goes into the, now it belongs to the universe. It's the universe. And uh, that just happened recently and you shared it, but I had a, a post about Mike Pence. Uh, mm-hmm. He was where on a motorcycle wearing the leather vest and i said his shirt says if you can read this mother fell off and it's like really took off on twitter and then it was a a facebook page that had literally millions of followers just whether they cropped it out or somebody else cropped it out but like all they did was crop out my name Mm -hmm. and the rest of it and then now it just kind of exists in the world it's, yeah. And uh, you could put your little watermark at Brent Trehune somewhere on the motorcycle and kind of hide it, but not because I've done that, too. And I've had pages Photoshop that out, too. <laughs> and it took more effort for you to put your own stuff on it than to just share. But also what I r- realized over the years is nobody really cares where those jokes come from, except for the creator. The, yeah. The, 
then the more you talk about it, the more bitter you look. It's yep. like there's no good way to say, hey, I think somebody stole something without seeming crazy and bitter. And then nobody else cares. Nobody cares about it, you know? No. And referential humor even is like such a popular thing in modern culture that I've seen the joke, the like, don't call me Shirley. Mm -hmm. Like that's been used so many times now. And it's like the person who is writing that into the thing they know that they're referencing something else. Airplane, as far as I know, from yeah, airplane. Yeah, I, I think airplane. That's I, what I think. Yeah, made. Shirley, you can't be serious. Yes, I am, and don't call me Shirley. That, yeah. you know. But whoever sees that thing and doesn't know airplane, that's a new joke to them. Yeah. I said the Benny Hill music, Yakety Sack. Yeah, that, and I, I, had I, to I wanted it. to do videos where that, because it's kind of a, it's a, I would say that's not my bit, but it's You're it's right. now it's funny to just that's funny music to speed up a character running around, probably yeah. getting hit by a rolling pin or whatever. Like, yeah. So I had to find that at a live show for a performer. They wanted the yakety sax music. Mm -hmm. And when I looked it up, um, they didn't know what it was. They were like, you know, that uh, that like, you know, that music where it's like and they run around real fast. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah from Benny Hill or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when I found it and I eventually found like the actual track, there were all these comments underneath and all of them were about, oh, it's the Peter fighting the chicken song from Family Guy. I've been okay. searching for this. Yeah. And so those people have no idea that that was referencing something else. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I've had in my one of my videos, it was a, an homage to Office Space where I beat up a case of Bud Light. Oh, yeah, right. To the op but it was uh, reminiscent of the printer scene in Office Space. Yeah. But if uh, my goal is, I hope you know what this is from, but other people would just be like, that's an odd song to put with him slow motion yes. beating up something. But so it's. I'm not saying that happens, but it could be somebody's like, oh, that song is from when Brent Trahune beat up to Bud Light, you know, like where yeah. it's it's comics doing self-referential humor about comedy. And then then it gets a new life somewhere else. It's it's Master of Puppets being discovered on um, a Stranger Things as opposed yeah. to you hear it hear Metallica just play the song. Yeah. A, a lot of people have done variations of the reservoir dogs, like the guys walking. Oh yeah. And because that's Tarantino, that's probably an homage to something else. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then we, I know it is the reservoir dogs. I don't know if it is an homage or not, but then it's been on a thousand things mm -hmm. since then. And yeah, it gets lost and then it just becomes like a cool thing. Yeah. Well, let's jump into to, to jokes. Joke. Linguist uh, Robert Hertzen offers this definition, and I, I hate to be the, oh, it's defined as blah, 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 but <laughs> a joke is a short, humorous piece of oral literature in which the funniness culminates in the final sentence called the punchline. In fact, the main condition is that the tension should reach its highest level at the very end. No continuation relieving the tension should be added. As for being, quote, oral, uh, it's true that jokes may appear printed, 
but when further transferred, there was no obligation to reproduce the text verbatim, as in with poetry. So you could read the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, you could. Here's the one of the jokes that John Fox would open with, and uh, you'll hear some filthy jokes and truly tasteless jokes. And if you don't like language, this is probably not the podcast for you. But that one of the jokes was uh, he'd op- come out open with this joke. He'd say. Two firefighters are butt fucking in a smoke filled room. <laughs> what an opener, right? Yeah. For to, for the whole show, but an opener for the joke. Chief walks in, says, "What's going on?" One firefighter says, "This man has smoke inhalation." The chief says, "Did you try giving a mouth to mouth?" And the firefighter said, "How do you think this shit got started?" <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's funny and. Uh, two notes here. Nothing funnier than that definition of a joke that was written. Like, holy yeah. cow. Like, that's like almost comedy in itself. Just like mm-hmm. this long. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate. It's completely yeah. accurate. What was said. It's just it's very funny. It'd be like a fart is when. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Well, but the-, then the John Fox joke, though, is like. Is that a one liner? I don't think so. I think it's a joke. And that's the difference is like when you talk comics, talking shop, you can have a joke. But when you have enough, if you look at Jim Gaffigan, if you have enough hot pocket jokes, now you have a hot pocket bit. Right. Because you could take out certain jokes from the hot pocket thing and it'd just be a standalone joke. But once you have enough of them, you've grouped them. And now I would call that a bit. Sure. And if it was even longer, I would call that a piece. Which is yes, what George Carlin would do, you know? Is it is peace and chunk synonymous? Probably. Okay. And that's the thing. There's there's probably written rules, but who follow who's gonna follow those? But that's how I would classify certain things like that when it becomes in length and and structure and the content. If you have a lot of jokes, now it's bigger than just a joke. Yeah. So do you is your definition of a one liner just a singular joke? on a topic yeah i think it's the the drug dealer shoes joke that's okay. a one-liner growing okay. up i had an invisible friend i called him dad yes. that's a one of my jokes and that's yeah. a one-liner to me you know and see that that's a i think both of those are one-liners because i when i think of a one-liner i think of like set up punchline yeah whereas even that john fox joke it's like that's like five sentences yeah which i think could still be a one-liner. That's why I asked that question, like, in definition, because it's just a singular joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always think of one-liners as set-up punchline. Quick, in and out. Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, Stephen Wright type jokes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yep. Howdy there, Brent and everybody. This is Corey Ryan Forster, and this is my favorite street joke of all time. All right. So a penguin's driving around, and he realizes something's wrong with his car, so he goes to the mechanic, right? And the mechanic looks at the penguin, and he's like, hey, buddy, it's going to take me about an hour to fix this. Why don't you go kill time? So the penguin goes to the ice cream store, because penguins love ice cream. So the penguin gets his vanilla ice cream, and he's eating it and loving it, but penguins don't have any hands, right? So he's getting it all over his face. Then he goes back to the mechanic, and the mechanic says, hey, Hey, it looks like you blew a seal. And the penguin goes, no, nah, buddy, it's just a little ice cream. <laughs> oh. Hey, Brent, it's Trey Crowder here. You, but first of all, I want to say 
That's, uh, I love you like chicken, you red-bearded January 6th capital storming-looking some bitch. But here's my favorite street joke. This is the one I always used to resort to uh, when I was in school. Like, it's always it's always absolutely cleaned up in, in the halls of Clay County High School back in the day, and so it's remained my favorite ever since. I hope it lives up to it for people. Um, so here we go. Little Dirty Johnny's parents were becoming very concerned about his use of foul language. They couldn't get him to stop cussing. They tried everything they knew to do. They tried different types of, you know, uh, reinforcement, positive and negative punishment, things of that nature. Nothing was working. They finally went to a, a child psychologist and asked him, you know, what do you think? How can we get little dirty Johnny to stop cussing so much? And the doctor says, okay, how about this? So Christmas is coming up. Here's what you can do. You sit Johnny down and you ask him what he wants from Santa Claus for Christmas, right? And while he's telling you the list of items he wants, for every time he cusses, you replace that item with a dog turd, right? See if that takes. So they think, all right, it's worth a shot. So they go home, they sit little dirty Johnny down, and they say, Johnny, honey, you know, Christmas is coming up. Santa Claus is going to be coming. What would you like Santa Claus to bring you? He goes, well, I'll tell you right now. I want to wake up in the morning, roll over in my bed, and find a goddamn brand new Nintendo Switch sitting there. That's what I want. And I'm going to get up, walk down the stairs, and at the bottom of the steps, I want to see the shiniest motherfucking Razor scooter you've ever seen in your life sitting at the bottom of the steps. Get to the bottom of the steps, look over under the Christmas tree, and see... The a fucking Xbox One sitting there with my name on it, baby. Then I want to walk outside in the driveway, and there in the driveway is a goddamn brand new mountain bike. That's what I want, motherfuckers. And they say, okay, all right, we'll let Santa know. See what he does. So Christmas morning comes. Little Johnny wakes up that morning, rolls over in his bed into a dog pile of dog shit. Gets up, walks downstairs, slips on the bottom in a pile of dog shit. Looks over, there's a dog turd sitting underneath the Christmas tree. Walks outside and there in the driveway, another pile of dog shit. His parents walk up to him and say, well, Johnny, honey, what'd you get for Santa from Santa Claus? And he goes, well, I think I got a goddamn dog, but I can't find this son of a bitch. Thank you very much, everybody. Hey Brent, I'm gonna send you another one because I couldn't decide. That that one's uh, that one's more rednecky and among my favorites. But here's the one I've been leaning on lately as an adult. This one, uh, I think this one's funny. Man's working at his day job in a big city, nice office job, making good money. Suddenly one day he starts hearing this voice in his head. Voice is whispering to him. It says, "Quit your job, sell the house, go to Vegas." Quit your job. Sell the house. Go to Vegas. All right, he ignores it for as long as he can, but finally he can't ignore it any longer. It's it's driving him mad. All right, he finally decides he has no recourse but to listen to this disembodied voice in his head. So he quits his job. He sells the house. He takes all the money from it, and he goes to Vegas. He lands in Vegas at the airport, and the voice pops up again. It says, go to the Bellagio. Go to the Bellagio. He said, well, I've come this far. Might as well keep going. So he goes into the Bellagio. And says, the voice goes, go to the roulette table. Go to the roulette table. So he walks over to the roulette table. Boy says, 
on 24 black. So he takes every last cent of money to his name and he puts it on 24 black. The roulette man drops the ball in the wheel. It spins around till it finally comes to a stop on 17 red. And the voice in his head goes, fuck. There you go. Love you, buddy. Well, uh, we can actually cut this episode way short, Isaac, because we found the funniest joke that's ever been told. We found it. <laughs> is it this going to be a long fart sound? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is from the fake news CNN, this article <laughs> uh, from London, England. In an experimental uh, experiment conducted in Britain, people around the world were invited to judge jokes on an Internet site as well as contribute their own. The Laugh Lab research carried out by psychologist Dr. Richard Weissman from the University of Hertfordshire, uh, attracted more than 40,000 jokes. And uh, t- so they had a rating system. Here is, air quotes, the funniest joke ever told. And that's where it's most universal. It meets the most criteria for old people like it, young people, black, white, Asian, all that, okay. per- all purple and green. Uh, two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are glazed. The other guy takes out his phone and calls the emergency services. Uh, he gasps, my friend is dead. What can I do? The operator, operator says, calm down. I can help. First, let's make sure he's dead. There's a silence. Then a gunshot is heard back on the phone. The guy says, okay, now what? Okay. He shot his friend. So yeah. uh, Wiseman said the joke worked across many different uh, countries and appealed to men and women and young, old alike. Many of the jokes submitted received higher ratings from certain groups of people, but this one had a uh, real universal appeal. And uh, I love that he, this is a scientific study with peer reviewed stuff. People logging into the laugh lab website were invited to write uh, jokes using a quote, giggle, giggleometer. Giggle meter. <laughs> I like that. This is a guy. This guy's a doctor. It's like, let's call it a giggle. Giggle well, meter. We have here the giggle <laughs> That sounds like something Professor Frank from The Simpsons would yes. use. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. We've measured this was by far the funniest joke we've ever heard. Our giggle is through the charts. <laughs> Which Professor Frank is a parody of, of the Nutty uh, Professor. Of the Nutty Professor. Yeah, but then so. there are certain people that'd be like, that guy sounds like <laughs> Professor Frank from The Simpsons, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, five pi- five point scale ranging from not very funny to very funny. One intriguing result was that Germans, not renowned for their sense of humor, found just about everything funny and did not express a strong preference of uh, for any type of joke. I think they're just overcompensating. <laughs> Look, yeah. guys, let's they we want people to think we're fun. Just say everything's funny. Yeah, they judge comedy like comedians. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, it could be the best. The, the you know the best compliment a comic can give you is it's really good. Yeah. No laughs. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, people from the Republic of Ireland, the UK, Australia, New Zealand most enjoyed jokes inv- involving word plays. Many European countries, such as France, Denmark, and Belgium, displayed a penchant for offbeat, surreal humor. Uh, while Americans and Canadians preferred jokes that were uh, had a strong sense of superiority, either because of a character looks stupid or made to look stupid by someone else. Europeans also enjoy jokes that involve 
making light of topics that make people feel anxious, such as death, illness, and marriage. Thanks for bringing that up, Isaac. <laughs> uh, there's a, a lot more of this. Uh, what kind article. of jokes did dumbass Polacks like? Well, we'll we'll get to those here in a minute. <laughs> and they're light bulbs. Bizarrely, a computer analysis of the data also showed that jokes containing 103 words were thought to be especially funny. 103, uh, specifically. Yeah. So that Hunter's joke had 102 words. Ooh, almost that, a perfect joke. And that, I guess that was abbreviated for this particular story. But um, th- that's a weird, like, because I... I went to a lot of sources. I go to Wikipedia and then I find sources from Wikipedia and some of the stuff like we could talk about the oldest jokes in the world, but goddamn, they're not funny. I don't understand. If I read that, I'd be like, I don't know that that's supposed to be a joke because <laughs> some like even listen to a stand up album from 10 years ago and see that it didn't hold up. Comedy just ages terribly yeah. for the most part. Yeah, it does. It, because it's it is a like of the time medium. And yeah. that's why some people though then it does transcend and like Stephen Wright is kind of always funny. Yeah. Always there are certain things that are that always work. I find that slapstick to me is always funny. Like I I still love the Three Stooges now and that's why like slipping on a banana peel yeah, is funny probably across most walks of life and countries because we all have seen somebody fall, getting slapped in the face. It just you don't. It, that's like wrestling translates really well to other countries because you don't need to know a language to know that there's a fight occurring. You know. Yeah, there's a a big resurgence like this movement of clown in L.A. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's across the country too. I know because my buddy is in Chicago. Th- this weekend or was this weekend doing a workshop that was sold out. So I know Mm -hmm. it is growing in other markets as well, but like their version of clown, you know, is not like makeup or whatever. Uh, My, the way I define what they're doing is it's like, it's just like, I don't know, like comedy Rue. It's just like the boiling comedy down to its basic form where Mm -hmm. it's a lot of physicality, dumb voices, uh, Mm -hmm. funny costumes. Yeah playing high status versus low status and flipping it on its head audience interaction and just like a lot of shocking stuff and just like kind of wild unpredictable stuff but it is i understand why it's clowning because it uses all these fundamentals of just basic comedy it's like i walk in acting really superior then i slip on a banana peel yeah and that creates laughter because that's not what you expected we all like to see the the rich or the the uppity, the higher status fall, mm-hmm. because most of us aren't higher status in society. So yeah, or it's like watch you always Mr. Say, Magoo survive. Up. Yeah, yeah, the the guy who's blind and somehow walked across from one building to the next on a a metal girder thing because it just so happened to line up and he didn't fall. You know that type of stuff. Yeah, like Mr. Bean. Yep. Like type comedy where like yeah it's like it's the buffoon who keeps coming out on top. Mm-hmm. How did he get his head in a turkey? <laughs> How? But somehow it's funny, you know. Like yeah, that type. Yeah, the the buffoonery is is even. Is there a modern day buffoon? 
because it would be like earnest, but that's not even modern day, you know, no, there, there is. And I know the guys that I know from this world would be able to give a, a like better examples than I mm-hmm. could because mine's already outdated. I mean, yeah. I think that Sasha Baron Cohen yep. was doing it. Like I know some guys who do Buffon or whatever it's called, you know, like actual performance. Yeah. Like there's this one guy that does a character called honey buns. Mm-hmm. That is a, mime and he wears like the distorted body like where it's like a big like bulbous like uh-huh. and then like he looks kind of like a demonic like mime thing and mm-hmm. he's a trained mime he's really really good yeah and so it's like music's playing and he's like doing all this weird physicality and being funny but then he starts speaking right afterwards and he speaks for the rest of the show <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. and has all these other things that he does as well but yeah. he is able to do the whole mime thing like blowing up the, a balloon and floating up you know and but with modern twists to it you know uh so it definitely is there there are people i don't know if you know the comedian josh fadem no but he does uh, a bunch of like physical stuff like where it's hold on like, did you say fadem yeah Damn near killed him. See, there you go. <laughs> I've seen a bit of his where it's like the whole bit is he's like wrestling with the mic stand. It's like he okay. comes out and like starts knocking it over and then mm-hmm. it's like falling and then he's all tangled up in the microphone cable mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, I think the bit I might have this wrong is like he's supposed to be coming out to do stand up. Okay. And then it just, it, it's become like, and that Never ends up being the entire yeah. act is like, he's all tangled and like it escalates, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a few, there's a guy named, I can't think of his last name, Ithamar out here who he does stand up clubs, but he does not do a stand up act. It's very music based and sound effect based. And he like, that he's got a bit where he's directing traffic and it's like all the sounds of the, the him directing traffic and then yeah. just his physicality. Like, so there definitely is that stuff. I like I like that because it's when you watch enough stand up, anything that's not stand up is almost welcomed to me. You know, yeah, when a absolutely. guy who's seen a bunch. You know, here, yeah, okay, sure. nineteen hundred BC, Samaria, the oldest uh, joke. It's a fart joke. Yes, you get ready to shit your britches. It's so funny. <laughs> here it is, something which has never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. That's the what? joke. I don't know. I so, don't so, know. So the joke is that they the young women always are farting in their husbands' laps. I don't know, man. It that's where I was like, we could go through a bunch of these, but it's just going to be me being like, I don't know how that's funny. You know? Yeah. Like, I was expecting the the oldest joke. I thought it would be a fart joke, uh-huh. and I thought it was going to be like an etching in a wall where it's like a picture of one guy like down, like hitting two rocks, and then <laughs> another guy's butt in his face. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the, the fire air coming yeah. out. <laughs> That's can you imagine the first time a caveman farted around the fire and it was like uh, fire is already crazy enough, you know, let not to make this up a notch. Yeah. Now we have something called joke cycles, Isaac. I didn't know that the, that's what this was called, but a joke cycle is a collection of jokes about a single target or situation which displays consistent narrative structure and type of humor. So. So we get bar jokes, blonde jokes, dead baby jokes, Helen Keller jokes, Irish, Italian, Polish, Mexican, black, knock, knock, light bulb jokes. So I didn't know that that was uh, called a joke cycle. I just thought it was uh, it's a guy walks into a bar joke, you know? Yeah. 
that I mean that makes sense. And I like it's interesting. Like the light bulb alone has me intrigued because it's like that has to happen at a certain time. Because at one point it'd be like, you know, the Polish, it only takes twelve of them to change a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know it, how hard changing light bulbs was at one point. You know, we have Thomas Edison to thank for those jokes. <laughs> uh, li- okay, light bulb joke. How many how many uh, comedians does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, I don't remember the joke off. It's like uh, three, one to screw in the light bulb and two to be like, how long has he been up there? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I could see, man, I could go a bunch of ways. Like, like how many comedians like one to screw in the light bulb and two to say I did. Th- I did that in 84 or whatever. Yeah, that's just a <laughs> that's the the song for when Peter fought the chicken. That's what that is. Yeah. Oh, I, I, th- I remembered a joke. I, okay. I do have a joke. Uh, Matt Holt told me this joke. Okay, and it's a it's a comedian joke, and I love this joke. It's uh, there was a murder at a comedy club, and they have one of the comedians up on the stand, and they say, "Now, Mister Terhune, is it true that you were hosting the show that evening?" And he says, "Uh, yes, it is, but let the record show that I usually feature." <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's such a funny joke. Because we've all worked with people. This is very inside comedy, but the guy will be featuring. But he'll be like, you know, normally I headline, but I just had this week off. We're, we all want to be one step higher than we are. But, yeah, that's a funny, funny joke. Uh, I love that joke. Let the record show. Okay, uh, Bono and The Edge walk into a bar, and the bartender says, not you two again. Yeah. See? I love it. Um, what do you get when you uh, turn a blonde upside down? A smelly brunette. So like, and that I didn't even look those up. Those are just ones I know. I don't remember offhand any dead baby jokes. Uh, why? Oh, oh yeah, Th- that was like a thing when you're like seventeen. Yeah. Just yeah, dead baby jokes. Why can't Helen Keller drive? Because she's a woman. So <laughs> it's, it's not even a. It's more sexist than. Yeah. And of course, we have all the racial jokes, mm-hmm. which I've. You're around your uncles long enough. You're going to hear them or after a show. Hey, you want to hear a joke? And it's always so these two black guys. No, please don't. Don't. Why? You saw my whole act. What makes you think I want to hear this racist shit? Yeah. But anyway, these two black guys, I said, no. (laughs) Well, I did like because I I legitimately wrote one of those where when I was doing my character Jasper doing stand up, Mm -hmm. I challenged myself to write street jokes mm-hmm. because what I wanted is I wanted Jasper to be doing shitty street jokes in his act, yeah. but I still had too much integrity to just tell street jokes on stage. Yeah. So you wanted to come up with your own. Yeah. I wanted him to sound just as bad, but like write them myself. And so what I did is I started with the punchlines mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I figured out a way to get to the, like the one thing, that I wrote the punchline is the dog's blind. I'm just his traveling companion. <laughs> like that would be a fun <laughs> comedy class exercise. Here's the punchline. Come up with the, with the setup, you know? Yeah. My, my two black guys walk into a bar joke from Jasper is feature on last comic standing. If anybody wants that's to true. Didn't you say uh, Andy Kindler was there, right? Yeah, Andy Kindler, Greg Giraldo, and Natasha Leggero. Yeah, and Jasper T. Colbert is uh, 
like a uh, what is a rest West Texas redneck character? Yeah. Well, how would you describe? Okay. I to think put it in I context. A oh, oh just a, a redneck character I think is good and just like the one through line for twenty one years of this character is that he's full of shit. It, he's a liar, and and then after being on TV, it's like he's like a a G list celebrity. Yeah, he, he, he what he was on more no more than fifteen seconds, but then he's yeah. like, you know, I was on Last Comic Standing eight years ago, twice. You know, <laughs> twice. He was on two different seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I always have him introduced as appearing twice on NBC's last comic standing and the winner of the 2006 bygones bar and grill. So you think you're funny <laughs> contest <laughs> as the higher 2006. Credit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the joke is uh, two black guys walk into this redneck bar and the bartender says, Hey, we don't serve your kind. And one looks at the other and says, how'd he know we was Jewish? <laughs> yeah. It makes like no sense. It just, <laughs> says all these like hot button things <laughs> yeah <laughs> but has no con- there's no content to it at all yeah how how do we, he know we was jewish yeah that kind of <laughs> where it was it's just a lot of it's like three jokes in one you know yeah yeah it's just racist that's like the that's the only thing to take away from it is that it's <laughs> oh that's racist <laughs> Not super offensive either. Just like it just is racist. Yeah, it's and it's that kind of joke that you do a show in a small town bar, but uh, also not even small town. Like they're racist in big towns too. And yeah. after, hey, let me tell you that, and you're just god damn it. And then it's exactly what you think it's going to be. You know. Hey, Brent. It's your friend Matt Alano Martin, uh, Maddie Cakes, as you often will call me. Uh, your listeners might remember me from such episodes as uh, the stories behind the songs, uh, music conspiracy theories, uh, the Elon Musk episode, and of course the never released canceled holiday special uh, Brent's Balls of Holly. Um, that's for the real for the real heads. They they get the bootlegs of that. Here is my favorite street joke. And I need to also start this off by saying I'm pretty sure this is a street joke. It has all the markings of a street joke. It feels like a street joke, but it may have actually originated in someone's act. But it definitely feels like a street joke. I heard it on a podcast. I heard Ray Romano say it uh, on a podcast, uh, the Fly on the Wall podcast with David Spade and uh, Dana Carvey. Uh, he presented it on that podcast as if it's an old street joke that he loved and it's definitely become one of my favorites. So without further ado, here's the street joke that I love. There's an old married couple. They're both 90 years old, been married for 70 years. And on their 70th wedding anniversary, uh, the wife tells the husband, okay, you go ahead and get in bed. I'm gonna go into the bathroom and get your present ready for you. So, The man gets into bed and he's waiting there for a few minutes and then the door to the bathroom opens and out walks his wife completely naked except for a cape that she is wearing. She walks up to the side of the bed, puts her hands on her hips and goes, super pussy. The man looks at her for a second and says, I'll have the soup. That's it. That's my favorite street joke of the last, I don't know. I can't remember another street joke I've liked better than that one in a long time. So, but these joke cycles, Isaac, one joke cycle that I wasn't aware was actually a joke cycle 
a a style of joke was the uh, Challenger spaceship jokes. Oh, this I and I told I read some of these and I told producer wife as soon as I read some of these and she's like, you've never heard those. And I'm like, no, but it's like that. Like to me, it would be 9-11 jokes. You know, that's what I was going to say. I bet there are a lot of the same joke. Yeah. So here's three Challenger spaceship jokes that I read. Uh, and at what was her, the teacher, Krista? Uh, do you remember her? How to say her last name? No, but thanks for bringing this up. Thanks for bringing this up for sure. <laughs> Let me. Uh, I'm going to do a pronunciation thing because I had to look it up last night, and then I uh, I want to get it right. Krista McCullough. Okay. Krista McCullough. Uh, okay. Where did Krista McCullough spend her vacation? All over Florida. Okay. Uh, what was the last thing Krista McAuliffe told her husband? You feed the dad, the dog, and the cat. I'll feed the fish. Uh, couldn't these also be Amelia Earhart jokes? Yes, maybe not the Florida, but all over whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, and here's the one that got me. What color were Krista McAuliffe's eyes? Blue. One blue this way. One blue that way. Oh man. <laughs> uh, see, that could be a Dale Earnhardt joke. That could be. Yep. I bet a lot of these same jokes have been recited and right now could be like the submarine joke. Yeah, well, because I was going to bring it up at the time of this recording just a week or two ago. We had the submersible that went down to the Titanic and imploded or whatever it was. So you, the, now the, those would just be memes, you know? Yeah, yep. Um, And you could take some of these jokes and that's like you get a lot of the too soons, which we'll talk about. But it's also a way to cope with tragic shit, even though it it doesn't seem like a coping mechanism. It seems cruel, but it's also yeah. a way to because some a lot of these people died, and it's it's a way to like laugh at the face of terrible things. You know, thanks for bringing that up. See, that's what yeah. that is. <laughs> when nowadays, one of the things that is really gross to me, and I realize it's because of like because I'm in comedy and like my social media is so many comedians edge lords. Yeah. And it's not the, I realize this isn't what other people experience to the same degree. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a shared experience. It's even, you know, a note of this is like, uh, when that comedian Matt Rife, like just put out his tour poster and didn't have a shirt on. Yeah. And then like, everybody was talking about this on my feet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any frame of reference. I and I just had to learn as I went. Yeah. And and then I like made a Jasper like kind of like parody, like shit talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. It did like okay. Mm-hmm. But because it wasn't until two days later that the rest of my Facebook feed caught wind of whoever this guy comedian is they've never heard of. Yeah. And then the video I did got more popular because it had like got through the rest. So it's like when you're in the echo chamber, but everybody acts like they're that Facebook or Twitter is a giant, terrible episode of at midnight where they're all challenged to write the joke about the thing. Yeah. And so I have to watch everyone's bad attempt at jumping in on the game mm-hmm. and then seeing the same joke a hundred times. Yeah. And, and like, do, do you think uncles were doing that in the 70s? There was like uncle summits and they're all like throwing out their 
their challenger jokes or that was the 80s but like whatever yeah getting there and then everybody's like consensus that's the one okay yeah we got three we got the blue her eyes blew this way that way the vacation in florida yeah all right we're all we're dismissed uncles yeah fun uncles go back to your families yeah funkles yeah it's like we you'll notice that whatever whatever big top the will smith chris rock slap and then yeah you just and that's not even comics but then regular people in general you get the same cold take yeah and it's like okay i could log off the internet for a few days because it's the same thing and it's people don't realize that we're all if you just gave it a google type the joke in on the twitter search bar and see how many people have already said that thing you know yeah and then it will be weird sometimes where like you realize that something's like too niche of a market that like even the most obvious joke gets missed because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to take the time to make it, but like, yeah, I'm a, you know, a big MMA fan and there was a story like around new year where the president of the UFC, Dana white, like slapped his wife mm-hmm. on tape at a party in Las Vegas. And he was in the midst of a debut of his, professional slap league or whatever it's called yeah. on TBS and it it you would think that would be everywhere that mm-hmm. somebody would like doctor up one of their posters and have him and his wife <laughs> yeah. and like whatever and nobody was doing it yeah and I'm like how is that getting missed I mean look I, I understand dear listener that we're talking about domestic violence yeah. we're also talking about people getting blown up in a shuttle the edge the edge lord somebody would have I'm that seems like something somebody would have done because the inner the internet will go to no lengths to be shitty, you know? Yeah. But uh, how, how yeah, it's surprising that nobody did that. It, it's blew my mind. Like I did eventually see like a few people just like reference the concept and how that's pretty funny mm-hmm. that he's currently promoting. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like he'll do anything to promote that slap league, mm-hmm. that type of stuff, you know. Which, I mean, it's right there. It is right there. The, the Matt Rife thing, it took me two days before I realized that the easiest joke is like, man, my feed is rife with uh, posts mm-hmm. about this Matt oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, I like said that in a group chat with some people because like instead of posting everything online i just have like three people i'll just say stuff (laughs) to yeah and i was like i cannot believe it took me three days to think of this joke and then someone else sent a screenshot of a a comic posting it that day so it also took them three days but Mm -hmm. they posted it online yeah and i was like god damn took us and then somebody else is like oh i hope you don't think that you you two are the only and i was like no i'm saying it's bad that it took three days (laughs) to to get that Yeah, at least uh, be the first one to think of the the easiest joke, you know, but it's that the Mike Pence mother fell off thing. I I'm sure other people said that, but I just said it first. As far as I know, you made a meme and there was a a guy in a thread on one of those where I gave him an explanation of your joke in the Mm -hmm. way that the guy at the beginning of the podcast broke down what a joke is. I gave him a step by step explanation of how why this is humorous Mm -hmm. because in that person's eyes he thought all you did was regurgitate that shirt bikers have that says the bitch fell off he didn't understand that the joke is that you just replaced the word bitch with mother (laughs) because that's what he calls what and that's why it's funny yeah because you were referencing something that already exists yeah but it again once you get to that step the humor is lost you're not gonna 
I wrote him a three paragraph explanation. Yeah. Where I was like, just like so condescending about like how it elicits humor because it's something that you're familiar with, but presented in a way that's new. Yeah, that (laughs) that's the twist and the 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 joke. Did you you ever did you ever hear uh, why Michael Jackson shopped at Target? Uh, no, because he heard that little boy's underwear was half off. See, yep, (laughs) yeah, it's uh. Do you know the, okay, this could be a Michael Jackson joke or a Hannibal Lecter joke. And I think it was a Hannibal joke. And I saw Jay Leno do it as part of his monologue. The yeah, It was minute one of 15 minutes he did every night. Uh, but it was, you know, what's the, um, what's Hannibal Lecter's favorite part about the Happy Meal? The, the child oh, or something. Yeah. yeah or I yeah, think yeah, it was the yeah. delivery guy, but it's like, there are those jokes where you can interchange like Hannibal Lecter, Michael Jackson, whatever the hot p- person is, yeah, you know, Epstein, Epstein. Yeah. Um, but here's another joke cycle. Uh, said the actress to the Bishop. This is from Britain. Have you heard of this at all? You seen this? You heard about this folks? <laughs> Kevin, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the term or it's variant as the actress said to the Bishop is a, a British in origin supposedly originated from a conversation between the actress Lily uh, Langtree and Bishop and the Bishop of uh, Worcester. They were at the country house uh, weekend party. And on a Sunday morning before church, they went to stroll in the garden on their walk. The Bishop cut his finger on a rose Uh, over lunch. Lily inquired about his injury, asking, how was your prick? And to which the Bishop replied throbbing causing the butler to drop the potatoes. So man, we get, what a British fucking joke. This is, well, it's going to be become pretty American. <laughs> said the act said the, okay. Said the actress to the Bishop. Then we get, uh, that's what she said. It, oh. it changes. So we get, uh, we get Wayne's world. Oh. They would say, that's what she said. We get Ricky Gervais in the office and he would always i i've not seen a lot of the british office but his character would say as the actress said to the bishop so then it gets changed to michael scott steve carell and we get that's what she said yeah okay yeah that's this is interesting i can remember one time i don't know what the setting was but i did one of those like cringy like someone said something and, and you like you're like I, I, I guess I can't let it go. That's what she said, mm-hmm. you know. And this woman who was at the place, whoever this was, goes, "Oh, I love The Office." Yeah, where it was, it's that's just a that was in the ether. But mm-hmm. again, that's Peter Griffin fighting the chicken. Yep. Where it's like Michael Scott is some cr- credited. It's like. I guess it is a cringy thing that he would he that he says and, and it works, but it's worse. It's supposed to be worse because it's such a bad popular joke. Yeah. That he thinks is hilarious every time he says it. Well, and either whether either it's Ricky Gervais or Michael Scott, the in the American office, I think they're huge comedy fans. Yeah. So Michael Scott will be like, You you might be a redneck, or he'll quote mm-hmm. Chris Rock and say the parts that you shouldn't say as a white yeah. guy you know like yeah and it's cringy because it's i don't know it's just 
it's a white guy doing it or it's he's a comedy fan, but he's already a cringe human being to begin with, you know? Yeah. But that type of stuff where that that's, you know, people would say, I love the the office. Yeah. So the actress to the bishop. So I thought that was interesting. That's funny Uh, because like I can I can hear uh, Ricky Gervais saying this mm -hmm. and like, I guess I I got it basically Mm -hmm. but i didn't know i didn't understand it yeah yeah i know i didn't really realize that that's not my original thought i don't know uh i think if you go to that's what or the acts of the actress to the bishop wikipedia page that'll tell you so hey hey mark normand here uh and i think my favorite joke of all time it's it's a split decision between two so i hate to get greedy but uh my favorite little joke is, um, why don't you trust Adams? Because they make up everything. I love that joke. It's short, it's sweet, it's cute, it's clean. But my real favorite is, hold on, I want to make sure I get this right. A Holocaust survivor dies of old age and goes to heaven. He tells a Holocaust joke to God. God says, that's not funny. The man says, well... I guess you had to be there. I mean, come on. That's a beauty. There's a lot in that joke. Okay, hope this is all right. Thank you. I hate myself. Comedy. But uh, knock, knock, Isaac. Who is there? This joke cycle during Prohibition in the 1930s, if you wanted to get into a speakeasy. Wait, no, but who? (laughs) Hold, can I finish? Can I finish? (laughs) You want to get into a speakeasy, you knock, and they say, who's there? Uh, historian Charlie Orr uh, said drunken patrons often had fun with the password, uh, and he claimed that the very first knock-knock joke was told in a restroom of the Philadelphia hotel. The first guy said, knock-knock, who's there? Ranger. Ranger who? Uh, Ranger close before you leave here. Okay. Yep. There you go. Yeah. This is our friend Brent, who dresses up like a hot dog and tells jokes. <laughs> Wiener! <laughs> Hi, my name is Towns Huff, and I'm seven years old. My dad told me to say that, just so you know. Wait, what's the joke I'm saying? <laughs> what's the joke I'm saying? Two toothpicks were sitting on the roadside. A porcupine walks by, and one of them says, Oh, man, Gary, we just missed the bus. Tom Swifties. Do you know about Tom Swifties? Um, that sounds familiar. I don't know I what it is, though. Yeah, I, I guess they're pretty popular in Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, like a, a joke book that you poop with. Okay. Um, but here's here's the, the thing of Tom Swifties. I feel, okay, here's the sentence. I feel like raising the dead, said Tom cryptically. That's the last time I stick my arm in a lion's mouth," said Tom offhandedly. Okay, yeah. Here's my finger went through the toilet paper," said Tom shittily. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wrote that one myself. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, uh, the puns parody the writing style uh, in the the Tom Swift book series created in 1910 by Edward uh, Stratemeyer. He also created the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Uh, but Tom Swift is a teenager, a teenage hero who uses his wits to thwart bad guys. Uh, and he would say clever wordplay stuff like we must hurry, said Tom swiftly. 
that kind of thing. So there's a whole list of them. We're okay. at we're we're not gonna be able to read all of them, but uh Yeah. Hey, my name is Bill Squire. I'm a comedian from Cleveland, Ohio, and this is my favorite street joke. A kid is doing his homework and he asks his dad for help. And his dad says, What do you need help with, son? And his son says, Dad, I need to know the difference between theoretically and realistically. And he goes, No problem, son, I got you. First thing you need to do, go to your sister, ask her if she'll have sex with a perfect stranger for a million dollars. The kid goes and asks his sister, comes back, and he said, Yeah, dad. She said she'd have sex with a stranger for a million dollars. She said, okay, great. Uh, go ask your mom the same question. He's like, okay, that's kind of weird, but all right. The kid goes, ask his mom, comes back, dad, she said she'd have sex with a stranger for a million dollars. Says, great, got it. Okay, now write this down, son. Theoretically, we're sitting on two million bucks. Realistically, we're living with a couple of whores. But Isaac, let's talk about these dirty, hairy, stinky Polacks, shall we? Yeah, that I mean, I definitely I think within our lifetimes, when we were young, that was the most prominent one. It's it's so bizarre how they'll just pick a group of people and be like, hey, let me tell you how much these these guys stink or whatever. But we have Hitler to blame for that, apparently. <laughs> Uh, uh okay yeah i mean that makes sense yeah and the quest to conquer poland in the 1930s hitler pushed the racist dumb polack stereotype to the rest of europe um so and it was simple sympathize with the uh the country's fate the the rest of europe wouldn't the the nazi propaganda machine claimed among other things that polish soldiers on horseback had once attacked german tanks with swords that stereotype spread to the to the u.s after the war by the 60s, polls had become a punchline, especially on shows like uh, Laugh-In, featured mm -hmm. a regular segment dedicated to Polish jokes. Books of Polish jokes followed uh, over the decade. The perception began to change in 1978 when Cardinal Carol uh, Waitiwa, also known as Pope John Paul II, JP II, uh, rose yeah, to, yeah, that's to what power. I know as, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fad <laughs> tapered off. Uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. But it's just such a weird thing for people to be like, let me tell you how these blacks, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, that's so crazy yeah. nowadays, you know? It is, I guess I wouldn't have known that it was that mainstream, that, like, network television is doing Polish jokes. Yeah, Laughing, one of the most well-known comedy series shows is just like uh it's it reminds me of like when hee-haw would cut to the cornfield and yeah. and you know my wife left uh left me for another man bitter yeah i bit him too yeah like, you know that uh bernie brillstein created hee-haw no i didn't so like a dude from new york created hee-haw oh that's and... why the stereotypes are good yeah and, you know? but it was all the his when I say created his pitch was a southern laughing, yeah, and then somebody else wrote it and made it a show, but he had the idea to mm -hmm. use this hillbilly characters and just do laughing, yeah, and then Johnny Cash I didn't would come that. on and sing a song. I didn't know yeah. that either. <laughs> I just watched Hee Haw because I was a hillbilly. <laughs> uh, I never actually seen it. I've seen segments and I like. I like that joke that I just told. I think it's funny, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And now Ryan Singer. 
One of the first street jokes I ever heard, I was a little kid, so I had no idea what it meant or why it was funny. I just know some guy told it and other grown-up men were laughing and it haunted me because I just had no idea what it meant. So I always remembered it. And then years later, I finally understood what it meant. It goes a little something like this. So this guy I know, he said, when it comes to dating women, he's like a koala bear. And I said, a koala bear? What do you mean? He goes, well, if you think about it, a koala bear, all he does is eat sticks and leaves. Um, Let's do some anti-jokes. Why is six afraid of seven? You know, those types of jokes. Okay, jokes that are anti. I don't know. Because, uh, like, here's there, a good example. is called the shaggy dog story. Are you familiar with that concept? I... I'm not, I, I know I've heard of it, but I don't know what, it, I can't place what it is. Essentially, it's like a, a long-winded story with incredible detail, uh, so like a five-minute joke. Right. Where the, the punchline is not even a punchline, it's blah. It's the, the joke is stretching it out and giving all that detail for right. then nothing to happen. So there's a lot of examples. In my uh, career. Our, Yes, yes. This <laughs> podcast, Mark Twain's used it, Arlo Guthrie and Weird Al. Uh, mm -hmm. I in uh, the song Albuquerque on uh, the album mm -hmm. Running with Scissors. It's the last yeah. track. It's 11 minutes yeah. of a lot of stuff. So I think I have an anti-joke. And I, when I was doing my research, I remembered this joke. I'm going to tell you this joke. Yep. So this guy's sitting in the waiting room uh, and next to him is a is another guy and he's got a big orange for a head big orange big orange si sitting there for a while and the, the one guy turns to the orange and he says look man i i hate to bother you but i gotta ask what happened and the orange goes well it's a, it's a funny story i was walking down the beach and i found a, a genie lamp and i rubbed it genie pops out says you got three wishes and uh, the first wish, I said, I want to be rich beyond my wildest dreams. So then every morning I wake up, my my suit jacket is full of wads of cash every morning. My second wish is I wanted I want to live in a mansion. Boom, right there on the beach. Uh, I, I'm living in a mansion right there. Biggest house you've ever seen. Waking up every morning. Got the wads of cash in my suit jacket. And the third wish and I think this is where I messed up because I asked for a big fucking orange for a head. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That is, uh, I mean, I think that falls within the category of my favorite joke structure of just misdirection. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I that is my favorite joke style mm -hmm. is just leading you down a path and then switching it up. Yeah. And I think it is kind of also like the one of the most basic forms of joke as well. Yeah. Well, the, even the setup is the genie and the lamp joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then my it's always my and I think this is where I messed up because I asked for a big orange for a hit. Yeah, I love it. Because, I mean, those genie jokes, that's another like cycle joke or whatever. They're yeah. Called. Like, yeah. Because I and and racist, like they're usually also <laughs> racist. It's like, oh, it's so hot in the desert. They find the genie, and this guy says this, and then this guy says that, and then whichever race you want to be the dumbest one is like wishes for a car window. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, or a car door, <laughs> and then like, why? Well, so I can roll the window down. It's hot out here. Yeah, that's yeah. That was a black guy, right? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of the joke. It can be whoever you want it to be. Let's it go can be with three of the same race. Asian. Let's go with Asian this time. Yeah. But but Pacific enough about. Islander. Let's let's talk about let's stop talking about these Pacific Islanders. Let's talk about <laughs> Yo Mama. Yeah. These jokes became popular in the 60s in the inner cities as a part of a trash-talking game called Dozens. Two African-Americans, that's what this says, competitors, would trade insults with one uh, One of them couldn't till uh, one of them couldn't think of a comeback. The Dozens, which is considered a, uh, a precursor to, like, rap battles, freestyle rap music back and forth, uh, goes back centuries. According to Mona Lisa... Uh, Saloy's essay, still laughing to keep from crying, the dozens had its origins in slave trade New Orleans, dark turn, hmm. where uh, deformed slaves punished uh, with dismemberment for disobedience were grouped in lots of, uh, quote, cheap, uh, cheap dozen to be sold as part of the dozens was oh, the wow. lowest uh, blow possible. And in the insult game that came out of it, there was no lower blow than one directed at your opponent's mama. Hmm. So yeah. what we get was like playground, yo mama so blank, and then we go back and it's like, ah, slaves, you know. Yeah. Uh, yo yeah. mama so hairy, Bigfoot was taking pictures of her. Yeah. Yo mama so stupid, she cooks with Old Spice. Yo mama's so fat, she went to the movies and sat next to everyone. Those are, <laughs> those aren't any of the ones that I uh, are in my library of jokes, but I, I like those. I the I'm just thinking the Weird Al song Fat has a bunch of yeah, when I sit around the house, I sit around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Weird Al coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh yep. yo yo mama's so dumb it takes her an hour to make minute rice. Or you could say, yo mama's so dumb, uh, it takes her two hours to watch 60 Minutes. The same joke, yeah. but different. Um, Let's walk into a bar, shall we? Yep. People, animals, and punchlines have been walking into bars since 1952 when C.B. Palmer wrote a joke with the setup uh, for, for the New York Times. Rather uh, anticlimactic and possibly created with the intention of poking fun at alcoholics, which they've they've had it too good for too long with their red noses. <laughs> it nevertheless spawned a countless number of similar gags. Here are some of our favorite bar jokes. So do you want me to read some of these off, yeah, Isaac? I absolutely do. And these are some like more hot, like wittier ones than you probably heard. The past, the present, and future walk into a bar. It was tense. <clears throat> the, I love it. The NSA walks into a bar. Hey, I've got a great new joke for you. The barman says, I'll, I say barkeep. The barkeep said the NSA smiles. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comic Sans, Helvetica and Times New Roman walk into a bar. Get out. Shouts the barkeep. We don't serve your type here. Yep. I haven't. Uh, I read the first three. Let's see what, uh, what else happens. Uh, and <laughs> Amnesic walks into a bar. He goes up to the beautiful blonde and says, "So I do. Do I come here often?" <laughs> Neutron walks into a bar. How much for a beer? The Neutron asks. 
for you, barkeep says no charge. So I could keep going, but yeah. uh, bar jokes. Yeah. Do you have a bar joke? No, not really. Um, I, I wrote I wrote one for another one of my characters, Harvey. Uh, okay. The end, but it was just like in the opening lines of jokes, and it was uh, a a black guy, a Jew, and an Irishman walk into a bar. The bartender says, what are you three doing here? And I said, I can't speak for the colored fellow, but Lloyd and I are performing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, like, it's important. You, you do that character in a duo, and he's like a cat skills yeah. type yeah. guy. That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> That's another one where I tried deconstructing joke styles and writing jokes that would sound like cat skills like passed around yeah and i'd try to i'd start with like different people like i'd try to write like some danger field style mm -hmm. to like i had one i can't remember how it went because it, it was probably too clunky even when it was in its working form mm -hmm. but i i can't remember exactly how it goes but it was something like i came home one day and my wife had made a bed on the couch and i thought oh boy i'm in trouble and she said no my sister's coming to stay she'll be sleeping in our bed and i said well okay but you might want to turn the tv up cuz she's a loud one <laughs> her name's <Yeah>. mona <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, when you say mona you you instinctively leaned in yeah. you have to <laughs> lean in with those types of jokes that's a very <laughs> I think Andy Kindler is the the best example who will do the lean in yeah. with the 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 tag that's not necessarily that funny, but it's funny when you lean into it. You know, <laughs> Kindler's like, I was the first guy in 1985 to ever point out there was differences between men and women. <laughs> Everybody was always like, you guys know men and women; they're basically the same. <laughs> um, let's do uh, the the chicken joke. We all this is the oh, when, yeah. just if you read a. A generic joke in a comic book, and it's why the chicken cross the road type stuff. Uh, eighteen forty-seven, in the a New York magazine called the Knickerbocker, on a page titled "Gossip with Readers and Correspondents," a reader wrote in, "There are quips and quillets, which seem actual conundrums, but yet are none. Of such of this, why does a chicken cross the street?" Are you out of town? Do you give it up? Well, because it wants to get to the other side. And that, I don't know why that's its own category on the, I don't remember where the source is, but to me, that's an anti-joke. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, yes, the that if that's the, the original is the other side, then it is an anti-joke, but, and then people somehow turned it into regular style jokes. Yeah, it's such a, we, it's like a great writing exercise is find a, maybe not necessarily chicken, but take something and, and why did it cross the road, you know? Yeah. And like, for some reason, that joke format is mostly used to elicit a grown, like bad joke, mm -hmm. but also be like, uh, innocently insulting to something yeah like yeah, i it, heard it used the other night i was at i went to the ucb theater and they were doing this murder mystery improv show and somebody had to tell a joke for some reason like on the mm -hmm. spot yeah and oh they 
they were talking to the person in the booth, but they kept talking like it was Siri on their phone because they would have them pull things up on the screen. Okay. And yeah. they were like, Siri, tell me a joke. And the, the guy in the booth, very quickly, you know, so you got to give it to him. But he was like, why did the chicken cross the road? Because they didn't want to pay for improv 101, mm-hmm. which is like not funny at all, but like very inside baseball in that space. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, where it's it only works in that room. But yes. otherwise, and yeah, it's fun how we've all taken the chick across the road and you come up with different versions of that. And now I can't think of any of them, but I've heard them, you know. Yeah. I don't think that I haven't ever heard a good one is, I think, maybe the problem. Yeah, that's one that was like worth repeating. And I don't know why that that's like the joke that people use, you know, that one that's not funny, you know? Yeah. My daughter, my older daughter, Piper, who's 13 now, a couple of years ago, she wrote a joke and she's probably still if if she was telling it like she will be laughing so hysterically and like cannot control herself and thinks it's just the funniest thing in the world. And the joke is, what is red and shaped like a bucket? A bucket? A red bucket. Okay, yeah. And she just thinks that is the funniest thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a joke. That's not how a joke works. That's not mm-hmm. how. It- and then Jonathan Findler, our friend who's a comedian, who's a weirdo. Yeah. John also thought that that joke was hilarious. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I think, uh, you know, your your daughter's got a future in weird comedy, it sounds like, because that's what Fiddler does. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's an anti-joke, I guess. It reminds me of the joke, what's brown and sticky? A stick. Oh, yeah. That one's at least stick, sticky type, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, where it's anti-jokes and I, and like some of those are funny, but most of them are just like, why do we have to hear that, you know? The uh the chicken joke that you read, can you read what that said again? But like uh, like a Catskills comedian, because I feel like there was some language in there where it was like, "Are you in town? Are you with me?" Like what? <laughs> there are quips and quillets which seem actual conundrums, but yet are none of such as this. Why does the chicken cross the street? Well, are you out of town? Do you give up? Well, then because it wants to get to the other side. That's, that's weird. maybe like, not cat scale, but it was like condescending yeah, uh, like, writer or whatever. You're like a, you're like a Shakespearean yes. like, yeah. gesture. I, I I don't think a uh, cat skills is going to say quips and quillets, you know? No. We got quips and quillets. Everybody's got quips and quillets. Yeah, I'm selling quips and quillets after the show. <laughs> uh, let's change Which- some. My version of cat skills is I it's a I use it for the Harvey character, but I learned it from Dave Dugan is to repeat mm-hmm. the lines. Okay. Like yeah. y- you do your setup and you're like, so I'm gonna tell you a joke and I'm gonna first set up the premise and then I'm gonna say the premise again. I'm I'll repeat the premise maybe a third time. We've all heard <laughs> this premise a fourth time, right? <laughs> uh Anthony Jesselnick does that. His jokes are so quick and yeah. he speaks uh so I don't know what the term would be. So uh, his words are chosen on purpose. Yeah. I can't think of the word right Concise. now. But concisely. Yeah. That he does the setup. He says it again. And then he does the punchline. Because I've had one-liners where you almost have to do the setup again because the joke was too quick. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anthony Jeselnik's interesting because I read uh, 
I read this book that was about alt comedy in LA and they talked about Anthony Jeselnik in it. And the, the person who like put the book together was like, I'm not that familiar with his act, but they Mm -hmm. were like, people maybe don't realize that like, they might be surprised that Anthony Jeselnik was, is in this like alt comedy scene. Like, but like he's doing an alt comedy act. Mm -hmm. It is just so presentationally, uh, realistic yeah that people don't understand that he's kind of taking the piss at with this style of comedy yeah like that's not the kind of guy he is mm-hmm. it, this arrogant suit like wearing like quick talking quipster guy yeah that is true because he's doing jokes that they're jokes yeah, but it's a, a guy that's like condescending and stuff. Does, wouldn't really do those types. He wouldn't. He'd be talking about himself more than, you know, my uh, my grandfather died in the Holocaust museum. Yeah, like that type of yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would a guy that's all cocky and full of himself do that joke? Yeah, it just instead of having a dumb haircut and wearing suspenders. Yeah, he's wearing. Are you ready to laugh like that? (laughs) The rainbow suspenders, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, Uh, Uh, let's change it. Yeah. Sorry. What's the emo Phillips joke where it's like the how would you uh, how do you want your self described in the event or whatever? He says like a young emo Phillips. He reminds you of a young emo Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that reminds me of a Stephen Wright joke. I I wish my first word was quote. So when I right before I die, I could say in quote. That type of thing. <laughs> One of my favorite emo Phillips jokes. That's anti comedy too. We'll talk about that in a second. But he's like, uh, he has a weird. If you don't know emo Phillips, just give him a YouTube search. But uh, I got in trouble on a date the other night. I didn't open the door for the lady. I just swam to the top. <laughs> you know, so the car went in the water, but you, you know, yeah, no, a, a lot of his stuff is dark too, dark and like anti comedy. I don't know if it'd be anti comedy or absurdity, but there's a set of him on YouTube doing jokes like that, but the whole time he's got a trombone case behind him, and the whole set he's he'll go back to the case and set up more of the trombone. He'll he'll do some jokes and set it up, and then he'll like put it to his lips and slide it back and forth, but not play it. That's mid set, and then he just takes the trombone apart again. Yeah, and, but never plays it the whole time. It's just there, you know. Yeah, I love it. He has a joke that I love that I'll, I'll butcher it, but he is like, Woody Allen married his. Uh, adopted daughter the moment she turned 18 he'd been her adopted father since the time she was a child and the moment she turned 18 he married her the man has the patience of a saint (laughs) 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 just dark but so funny and a great way of like i don't know because fuck woody allen you know 
Yeah. He's a, <laughs> I don't know, alleged pedophile. I'll say alleged because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> Let's change some light bulbs, shall we? Let's Fortunately, jokes about how many of a certain people, how many certain people it takes to change a light bulb also gain popularity as a means of uh, perpetuating. No, that's not how you say that. <laughs> perpetuating hurtful stereotypes about various nationalities and ethnicities. They originated primarily as a subset of Polish jokes, gaining popularity in America in the 60s. Fortunately, though, they've evolved. Uh, we've evolved past that since then. But then we get to the comics changing light bulbs and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and it's such a weird setup. Let's do a light bulb. Let's change it. Why is it the light bulb? First off, but mm. I don't know. Just a, a weird setup for a joke that we've all agreed. Hey, how many blank does it change to take yeah. the light bulb? You know, so. Uh, finally, let's wrap it up on on this. The aristocrats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one that I almost forgot about this joke uh, cycle <clears throat> format. The aristocrats is a taboo defying off color joke that has been told by numerous stand up comedians dates back to the vaudeville era. So go ahead and give us Harvey's aristocrats. <laughs> First of all, you have this woman and she's a she's a large woman, an overweight woman. You know, the woman is a, oh, heavier than most women. And she <laughs> comes into a place and she's completely nude. And she sits down and she spreads her legs open and it's just her vagina and her asshole spread open for everyone to see. And then a <laughs> then a, a little fella, you know what I'm talking about? A, not not a full grown, but a full an adult man who's a, about half the size of a regular man walks into the room, also completely nude. Not a sight anybody wants to see, really. And everything's miniature on this fella except this schlong. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> He comes in with giant schlongs dragging on the floor, the elephant-looking fella. He walks up, and he just goes in and starts licking and lapping away on the overweight lady's vagina and asshole. And he's doing his business there, and then wouldn't you know, in come the dog, in come the cat. They're normal animals, just like everyday animals. They come in there, but then they join in the business. They're all licking, they're all sucking, they're fucking Brent. They're getting in there. They're doing their thing. And then something's in the air. Somebody's cooking food next door, Indian food, something not smelling great. And she gets nauseous. She throws up all over the little fella, all over the cat and dog. They're slipping and sliding, falling all over the place. Well, then I come in because it's my job to clean up when this is over. And I say, hey, 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 look, I appreciate the vigor you put into the performance here, but I got to clean things up now. But if anybody asks, what should I tell them? What do you call this thing? <laughs> and she, the fat lady says, the aristocrats. <laughs> now, have you done that before? Or did you just make no, that up? That, that was, I just made that up. Okay. You can't tell. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's, that's, I mean, that's the joke is. It's just vulgar for vulgar sake. And the, of course, the punchline is the aristocrats, you know, the yeah. the, the nobility. Yep. But uh, I, I guess it, it. I remember renting this movie. Did you ever see that movie called The Aristocrats? Yeah. Yeah. Where I rented it one time. I, I think it was family video. That was our video store back in the day because Blockbuster was too expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that was a me call. That was not my mom. It's like, I like family video better. But uh, yeah, you're like, I need four. I can only get three at Blockbuster. Yes. And I want uh, saloon doors with my my backroom video. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I rented the aristocrats and I didn't even know what the what that joke was. But I was watching and it's just a bunch of comedians telling their version of that joke. Yeah. 
And I was like, it's just the same joke and it's all filthy. I, I got mad. I was like, this isn't funny. But I didn't understand the concept of the joke, you know? Yeah. And it, it became kind of popular back, you know, uh, and enter the ethos once it, once again, it came uh, because Gilbert Godfrey during the Friars Club roast of Hugh Hefner mm-hmm. told the joke to recover after losing the crowd uh, when he told a 9-11 joke, which was just 18 days uh, oh. prior. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if you know anything about Gilbert Godfrey... He he lost his gig with uh, Aflac because he thanks made for the that up. yeah uh, and Gilbert Godfrey thanks for bringing him up with the uh, tsunami joke in Japan and I guess what he didn't realize is like most of Aflac's business is in Japan and that's why he got shit canned yeah. from from the easiest gig of Aflac that was it that's all you had yep. to say you know um so he's no stranger to that but i guess here here's the 911 joke i had to look it up cuz i didn't remember what it was he, he, he uh, so it's hosted by jimmy kimmel i think and to uh uh to his right uh gilbert godfrey is hugh hefner so he's doing jokes and he says i have to leave i have to catch a plane to california i can't get a direct flight they said they have to stop off at the empire state building <laughs> and I got booze and hisses, of course, 18 mm-hmm. days after 9-11, 3,000, sure. whatever people died. Uh, but then he then he goes into telling the aristocrats joke. And there's a video on you on YouTube I watched about that moment mm-hmm. of him winning the audience back and people literally falling out of their chairs with the, with the joke that he's telling. And that that's kind of what what brought that joke back to the forefront uh, of comedy. So then they made that whole documentary called the aristocrats. So the, the here's the thing is to set up a family uh, or an act walks into a talent agency. They start doing their act. There's a bunch of sucking and fucking. And uh, it says racism, animal cruelty, incest, rape, child, sexual abuse, corp, uh, coprophilia. Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. Copper. Is that where you're really into David Copperfield <laughs> or cops? <laughs> Uh, let me, let me, uh, the, uh, is the, uh, scatophilia. Okay. You're playing with shit. Okay. Um, uh, uh, bestiality, necrophilia, murder. Okay. Go ahead. I I was just, I just want to point out, and I'm, I'm so sorry to laugh at my own joke, but that in Harvey's version, I said vagina every time. (laughs) Yeah. I said (laughs) ass. Yeah. (laughs) Not any other uh, word for it, uh, but <laughs> vagina, the, the scientific <laughs> medical it, term. I guess it, it seemed funnier for him. Yeah. Vagina. To, to say, say the word vagina. And then the punchline is, uh, of course, the aristocrats. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there's more joke structures and cycles and all that stuff, but I thought those were the ones to at least touch on. And some I had never heard of before, like the Tom Swifties. Yeah. Uh, I feel like something that we've talked about on this podcast before was those uh, shirts kids would wear in middle school, the Big Johnson. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's like a Tom Swifty kind of like, right? Swiftly or whatever. Like, that's like kind of one of those things that just be a bunch of like dick pun type things. That you're going to put your child in, <laughs> you know? Yeah, send him to school. Big Johnson. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's uh even uh the Calvin pissing bumper stickers is kind of oh, a oh yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily a joke structure, but a thing. All you have to do is replace the thing he's pissing on, you know. And and where where does that? I'd love to know the origin of that. Maybe why that is, that's another episode. Calvin? Yeah, why is Calvin the one peeing on things? Why why wouldn't it be uh, Charlie Brown or the dad from uh, Family Circus? <laughs> yeah, I did. I ever tell you that my dad made because my dad is an artist. He does good cartoons mm-hmm. and like post nine eleven he made these shirts, window decals and stickers mm-hmm. that were George W. Bush dressed as uncle Sam smiling at you while pissing on Osama bin Laden and, mm-hmm. and uh, Saddam Hussein like piled on top of each other. Like one has a black eye and the other one's got a footprint in his ass. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's one of those things where my dad was like, this has not reflective of his own views at all. Yeah. He was like, I am going to make this and I'm going to go sell it at every little town festival. Mm-hmm. And it, he just did. It was like the weirdest, like entrepreneurial move. He just like made these things and then went and sold them at like Legion fish fries and stuff. He just yeah. show up and be like, Hey, check these out. <laughs> and it was like a stroke. Of I got to add me one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, but he probably made a good chunk of money, didn't? Yeah. He? Oh, yeah. And it—that's one of those like Osama bin Laden's one of like the, the rare people that I think most people, at least in the United States, are like, yeah, fuck that guy. You yeah. know, we can all get on board with that. But did you know that Osama bin Laden? He waited till his stepdaughter was eighteen years old <laughs> to, to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, let's wrap it up on that. Uh, Isaac, you have a an album called Isaac Lanford Live at the White Rabbit Cabaret. It's linked below down in the show notes. Anything else you'd like to plug? Um, I'm going to plug somebody else. Okay. Uh, because I've been working with uh, my buddy out here, Blake Rozier, mm-hmm. and we just booked him a East Coast tour that's going to be coming up. And this will probably be out before that. Early August yeah. is when it's happening. Okay. And he'll be in... New Hampshire, uh, I call Rhode New Hampshire, Island, Rhode Island said, just by Boston. the state. Yeah. Then Boston mm-hmm. as a city, <laughs> and then Philadelphia as a city, and Brooklyn. <clears throat> He'll be going through, and Blake's great. You can find him on YouTube and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been working with him on a bunch of stuff out here and then that tour as well. So that's that plug. And then I'll be performing some places sometimes. Yeah. Out in Los Angeles. That's where you live, but you're on the, yep. you, sometimes you do, you work the road and do some shows and you're yeah. on this show. I've had people come up to me and say, we like Isaac. Yeah. I had a guy message me on Instagram. Nice. I'm making things happen for you, baby. You're welcome. I I love it. (laughs) Uh, But uh, our giggleometer is running out. So we got (laughs) to, we got to wrap it up. So dear listener, thanks for being here and uh, get out of my bar. (laughs) 